Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Preeti Chipper, and this is Sci-Fi Fangirl's Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. In an unassuming swamp on a forgotten planet in a galaxy far, far away, a grumpy old master attempts to train an ambitious but frustrating student in the ways of the Force. Meanwhile, a teenage girl roams a goblin kingdom in search of her lost brother, and the last survivors of a genocide seek to bring balance to their world by defeating the cruel overlords that have drained it of life. You, Gelfly? Like me? Well, yes. But I thought I was the only one. I thought I was. In the fall of 2019, The Dark Crystal returned as an immensely popular prequel series, Age of Resistance, for Netflix. Though the future of that series is currently up in the air, it brought the fantasy world of Thra, with its serene mystics, its creepy skexis, and the grumpy one-eyed sorcerer Agra, into the hearts and minds of a new generation of fans. In the build-up to the series premiere, a lot of fan excitement was attributed to the fact that one of the special effects artists on the project was Toby Froud, the man who, as a baby, had played the role of Toby the Baby in Labyrinth. Froud is the son of Brian Froud, the British illustrator whose work had initially inspired Jim Henson to create Dark Crystal to begin with. But we're here to celebrate a different and all-too-unsung member of the Froud family— She has collaborated with Brian on all of these projects and is pretty significantly responsible for the creation of their son, Toby. Today, we share the story of Wendy Froud. Wendy Froud was born in Michigan in 1954. A child of artists, she was encouraged from a young age to believe in the magic of the world. Even her name, Wendy, was a direct reference to the protagonist from Peter Pan, a name that had actually been invented by Pan playwright J.M. Barry. This namesake gave her, in her words, No choice but to believe. Like many children her age, six-year-old Wendy loved playing with dolls and toys to stoke the fires of her imagination. Unlike a lot of kids, however, many of Wendy's toys were ones she'd made herself. A fan of the fantasy tales like C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, Wendy made herself toy versions of the fantastical creatures in the stories her mother would read to her, like Mr. Tumnus, because figures of centaurs and fawns weren't found in stores at the time. An only child, Wendy would spend a great deal of her time alone. Living in Detroit the majority of the year, she'd spend that time indoors with well-stocked art supplies like clays and paints. When she did get to explore the outdoors during summers in northern Michigan, she'd build fairy gardens. Little could she have known, then, that she would be building fairy gardens for the rest of her life, and like her literary namesake, would sculpt the imaginations of generations of children, young and old, with her extravagant, whimsical creations. Are you a Gelfling? Yes, my name is Jen. 
But Gelfling all dead. Gotham kill them all. You can't be Gelfling. You look like Gelfling. Smell like Gelfling. Maybe you are Gelfling. Wendy graduated with a BFA in fine art from the University of Detroit. But despite her talent, her initial prospects for work seemed slim. Her professors in school had been doubtful of her ability to find work. Though she studied drawing and other more traditional forms of art, her primary passion was the dolls and puppets she'd been building since childhood. And so upon leaving school, Wendy expected to work as a waitress while still pursuing her art as much as she could on the side. Not unlike the magical stories of her childhood, Wendy describes what happened next as a fairy tale. In 1978, after moving to New York and continuing to pay the bills as a waitress, Wendy put a small exhibition on of dolls and puppets. Wendy's friend, Michael Flint, who happened to work as Jim Henson's art director, purchased one of the puppets for Henson as a Christmas gift. Henson was so impressed with Wendy's work on the puppet that he called her in for an interview to work on a new project of his. The job that Wendy would get from that interview would completely change her life. Henson was developing a feature film that would showcase puppetry in a way wholly unlike the work he had been doing with the Muppets. It was the path into the fairy gardens of her childhood, the place for her handmade figurines to take on a life of their own. It was also where she'd meet her future husband and lifelong artistic partner. It was the Dark Crystal. Another world. Another time. In the Age of Wonder. A thousand years ago, this land was green and good. Until the crystal cracked. The Dark Crystal had been born in the mind of Jim Henson after he saw Brian Froud's work on the cover of a book of British illustrators in 1976. Despite not having a script, or even yet the first draft of an outline of the story, he reached out to Froud to discuss a possible collaboration, and the deal for the film was formally made in August of 1977. The development of Dark Crystal was an undertaking of experimental collaboration. Henson provided Wendy and the other artists working on the film with a smorgasbord of artistic materials like foam, latex, or resin, and were encouraged to experiment with them and find ideas that might work to bring the film together. Much of this work was being done even before the Dark Crystal screenplay had been written. Wendy once described it in an interview as if she'd gone to graduate school to get her master's degree. On January 16, 1978, less than a week after Wendy had been interviewed and been hired by Henson to develop characters for the film, Brian Froud relocated from England to New York and began production meetings. Brian was there all the time, Wendy said of Froud. He was very hands-on with it, and he loves making things as well. So he was in the workshop the whole time working with us all. The two would begin to work closely together, ultimately leading to Wendy's work designing and fabricating puppets for the heroes of the film, the Gelflings. It would also lead to their marriage in May of 1980 in Chagford, England. The marriage of Brian and Wendy Froud has always been as much an artistic collaboration as it was a romantic pairing. Brian does all the drawing for me, Wendy said in a 2018 interview for the online fantasy website Muddy Colors. We have separate studios because we're both very private, and when you spend all of your time together, it's important to have a space that you can go into that's sacrosanct. But working with Brian is interesting because it's like being able to go into a candy store and choose whatever you want. He has years and years and years worth of sketchbooks. I'll just say, will you just pull out a sketchbook for me? And there's always something. In addition to their film work together, Brian and Wendy have collaborated over the years on everything from illustrated books about fairies, a deck of oracle cards, and even a pair of apps. But it's actually something Wendy created apart from Brian that became her most recognizable work for mainstream audiences. The process of making The Dark Crystal took about five years. And in that time, Wendy Froud also contributed to designs for The Muppet Show, 
but it was actually a loan-out gig that led to her most iconic creation. Frequent Henson collaborator and Dark Crystal director Frank Oz was working on The Empire Strikes Back as the puppeteer on a new character, the Jedi Master Yoda. I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. (laughs) Right. Help you again? Yes. Mm. Oz needed to practice and discover the characterization of Yoda. Wendy fashioned a prototype from the character out of some foam material that she had. Soon after, the production team on Empire came back to her because Frank had done so much work with her prototype puppet and everybody loved it so much, they asked Wendy to go ahead and fabricate the actual Yoda puppet that was used in the movie. Let's just let that sink in for a second. Wendy Froud is essentially Yoda's mom. Do you like baby Yoda? Well, there probably wouldn't be a baby Yoda if not for Wendy Froud. Y'all, Wendy Froud is baby Yoda's grandma. In addition to creating one of the most popular and instantly recognizable film characters of all time, it had the added benefit of giving Oz and the rest of the Dark Crystal team a sort of dry run of what a more realistic puppet than the typical Muppets would look like on film. The Dark Crystal opened in 1982, and though it would go on to become a cult hit, it wasn't the box office success that Jim Henson had expected it to be. Henson was frustrated but determined to try again to make a successful puppetry film outside the realm of the Muppets. He was convinced that one of the issues with the Dark Crystal was in the lack of relatability with the film's gelfling protagonists, and decided that with the follow-up film, Labyrinth, he would use humans instead. And David Bowie. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. This was a small ego bruise for Wendy, who had made the Gelflings, but she got to work sculpting goblins and characters like the Junk Lady for the new film. Wendy would actually go on to create one of the heroes of the film, not out of foam or resin, but in the form of an actual living human baby. Wendy had to take a step back from physically sculpting the creature she'd helped Brian design for the film because she was pregnant with their son, Toby. Not unlike her fortune years earlier when selling a puppet at an exhibition, Toby was born at the exact perfect time to star as the baby in the film. It didn't hurt that he was also extremely comfortable around creatures like the film's goblins, given the family he was born into. Also, he was just a very cute baby. And so we've come full circle. Toby's work on Age of Resistance brought the Froud family together in yet another collaboration. Wendy, for her part, designed many of the woodland creatures for the film and served as a consultant. It's fitting, given that the film is positively stuffed to the brim with those pesky gelflings that she created back in the 70s. Another world. Another time. Another age. In addition to continuing to work on projects with her family, Wendy Froud has used her figures to illustrate several books by the writer Terry Windling. She's also done a fair amount of writing on her own, including publishing fiction in anthologies Sirens and Other Demon Lovers and Trolls I View, and a collected tome of her writing illustrated with her dolls and figures, The Art of Wendy Froud. Wendy Froud's work is one of the rare examples in the world of an artist finding the exact space she needs in which to craft her dreams. In the same way that she took her childhood fantasies and gave them form with homemade dolls, she took her passion for her art and she made a career out of it. And along the way, she shepherded in fantastical worlds and creatures of her own, just begging for a new generation of dreamers to get inspired. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Fangirls. 
Today's episode was written by Riley Silverman and read by Creepy Chiver. You can find the script of the episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls. 